Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the I'm Always Right podcast, baby. We got the UFC Knockout Hour edition rocking and rolling. <laughs> I'm talking, I'm talking fights. I'm talking the sport we love. I'm talking straight UFC, baby, coming right at you. Ladies and gentlemen, here's the Merrick Zone. Mike, kick it off. Thanks, Steven. Love those intros. Now we're ready. Uh, love those intros, Steve. Uh, yeah, you heard it here. This is the I'm Always Right Sports Podcast, the Knockout Hour, where we talk all things UFC, and we got a stacked panel with a stacked show to talk about today. So joining me today, you heard him. He's the guy who does all of our intros, and he's also the guy who goes 3-0 and when predicting these fight cards, apparently. It's Steven. Undefeated man himself. All right, keep going. Sorry. No, no, no. It's, I'm, I'm introducing you. So whatever you – you can gloat. You do whatever you want. It's your time. All right. Well, it's Steven DeRose, baby. I'm back. We're rocking and rolling. We're, uh, we're talking about the sport where people block punches with their uh, faces, you know? Yeah. It's the real deal time, so – I got my beer right here with the dirty blonde tonight, and, and I'm ready to go, baby. Three and I'm ready to talk about it. Let's dive in. Let's do it. Uh, joining me also is, you, you hear him sometimes in the regular pod, but definitely on this pod, is the whale man, Kyle Budzanowski. Kyle, how are you doing? I'm good, Michael. I, uh, I recently was started sparring with Charles Oliveira, and um, I, I just saw his performance. I knew that he wasn't going to be able to beat this one, not even close, so I had to, do, I had to put a number on him so, so mm. we could push him back a little, and he'll, he'll get him next time. But mm-hmm. for this time, I, he needs to sit on the sidelines. So that's what I've been up to recently. So you were the one that gave him that deep puncture wound so you can't fight? Yeah, it was so. a headbutt. I knew because mm-hmm. he's way too good for me to actually punch him. So I just dove at him with my face. And mm-hmm. it looked beautiful. You saw the pics. I'm sure you saw the pictures. I, yeah, I, I, they're circulating in the group yeah. chat as we speak. You always got to yeah. keep them guessing. You can't yeah. just, you know. Yeah, honestly. And, and uh, joining us, the new voice. You haven't heard him yet, but you'll probably hear him a lot more if you listen to this show. Tyler Harrison. Tyler, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, glad to be here. Uh, I, I, I love this sport, man. Uh, this is just – getting to talk about UFC just at, at a bar with friends is uh, great enough, but now that I get to do it uh, and record it for other people to listen to me – even better. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. How, how can you go wrong? Right. Well, uh, we're here today. We're going to be talking this uh, crazy fight card that happened uh, last Saturday night, along with some news and notes that we have, some big changes happening on the UFC 294 card. And then to top it off, we'll go over our predictions for the upcoming UFC Fight Night show uh, happening this upcoming weekend. So without further ado, let's throw it to Steven, because as I said to start the show, one of us was 3-0 and in predicting these cards, and that 3-0 and man is Steven. So, Steven, you can be here to gloat all you want. How do you feel you about going Bobby at 3-0? Bobby Green, Bobby Green, and Bobby Green, baby, by knockout. Now, granted, granted, I did go 3-0, but I will say I'm not perfect. I said second round, and Bobby Green said, and ladies and gentlemen, this is your UFC veteran fighter quote of the day. Everybody got a plan till they get punched in the face, baby. Mike Tyson, Bobby Green gets the job done by TK. No, by knockout KO, baby. Woo! Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, and I'll throw it to Tyler here. What did you see out of uh, Bobby Green, man? I, I mean, did you expect the thirty-second knockout, or what was no. uh, you know what was the thought there? Um, I didn't expect a thirty-second knockout at all. I mean, Bobby Green, he's. In his prime, he's, you know, as good as anybody I've ever seen. But 
you know, he's a veteran fighter now. He just went up against Tony Ferguson, you know, before um, the fight over the weekend. He looked really good in that fight. Um, I wasn't expecting him to be as dominant mm -hmm. after taking quite a while longer to uh, knock out uh, Tony Ferguson. So uh, he, he definitely surprised me there. Yeah, I mean – I'll throw this question to Kyle here. So, I mean, Grant Dawson coming in 21-1, and one, we all just kind of sat around – I said Stephen, obviously. We all just kind of sat around and said, man, I don't – minus 440 favorite. There's no way he's – you know, he's just probably at the very worst going to hold him, go to decision, and win. I mean, that 30-second out, we watched that 30 seconds together. I mean, how, how, what was your reaction, instant reaction? How did you feel going into that? I mean, like, as you said, we were together. I was at a formal event, and I wasn't planning on watching this, like, whatsoever. But I thought, I got to at least watch Bobby Green lose so I can talk to Steven and tell him, like, what were you, what were you thinking? So me and Michael at a formal event, we, we have the phone set up on the nice glass. We're sitting there watching it, and I look up and I look down, and Grant Dawson is on the ground and he's out. And I was like, what? What, what even happened? Was, and after watching the replay, I'm like, oh, he just caught him with that one. You know you know how Bobby Green fights. He keeps the hands down. It looks like he could get knocked out at any second. And he, threw a, he threw a nice nice overhand right. Boom, took him down. And just like that, you know, that's what makes UFC so amazing. Just literally at any time, any anyone, you can, can knock – someone can get knocked out. You can knock someone out just like that. And I was like – Wow, Bobby Green just did that, and now I have to listen to Steven, you know, for 30 minutes about Bobby Green. Yeah, yeah. I, not only, ladies and gentlemen, did Bobby Green knock him out in the first round, uh, Grant Dawson was zero for six total strikes. Zero for six significant strikes. Zero for six head strikes. Zero body, zero legs, zero control time. It was all Bobby Green, baby. There, mm -hmm. Grant Dawson didn't show up. Because Bobby Green's got that magic hand. Yeah, he he really walked in and said, "Yeah, I think I'm in a fight," and then got punched in the mouth and said, "Ah, maybe I'm not in a fight." Uh, it was it was absolutely insane to see. Didn't expect it at all. Um, jump into these other two. I mean, I'll kind of put these kind of together a little bit. Um, so Joe Pfeiffer, obviously, we, we both had all three of us had. Um, uh, winning by submission in the second round there. Uh, let's get Tyler say kind of since he wasn't here. What did you see out of him? And, um, you know, were you impressed with the win? Um, did he look a little sloppy? What, what are your thoughts on his win? Um, so I actually didn't get a chance to watch that fight. I was okay. uh, dealing with some, some family stuff at, you know, between the uh, the third and last fight, so – Gotcha. Okay. I gotcha. Uh, Steven, I'll throw this one to you. What, what was your uh, What was your reaction to the submission win? Yeah, I mean, uh, P Joe Piper's the real deal, man. Uh, that guy is is twelve and two. I mean, he he's fighting a guy who, uh, well, I mean, he was eleven and two going into a fight where he was fighting a guy who was twelve and five. And I mean, um, I think that that Joe Piper's submission game speaks for itself. I mean, mm -hmm. I'm not sure is he a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt? Yeah, I believe yeah. he is. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, and it showed, I mean, the dudes, the dudes got real skills and, uh, yeah, that middleweight division with Sean Strickland at the top of it is, is very interesting now. And, and I think everybody is kind of, kind of going to keep a close eye now. And you might see mm -hmm. some people rise up from that, uh, ready to go and hit Sean Strickland because uh -huh. Israel Adesanya is no longer the great Israel Adesanya is no longer there. So, yeah, Kyle, would you say like, as a, as someone who's maybe like lower ranked, if you're a middleweight, lower ranked, do you see this as an opportunity? You're like, 
Sean Strickland's definitely beatable. Like, Izzy was someone that was like, I don't even know if I could stand a chance against him for most people. Now, is Sean Strickland someone you would look at and be like, I think I could stand up to him. Like, maybe let's, like, push the pace a little bit, try to get these higher-ranked fights, and maybe try to get that title shot maybe sooner if you, uh, if you had a shot at it. Yeah, I, I mean, I would say if you're someone who has a scheduled fight against Sean Strickland, then, yeah, I'd be like, yeah, I could beat this guy. He looks beatable. But the problem is, is you now have Kamaru Usman, who's fighting middleweight now. You have Hamza Chimaev, who's fighting middleweight now. And you're sure, you know that if Chimaev keeps winning and he doesn't lose, he's going to get a title shot, even if you're a Joe Piper, because Chimaev is electric. And when he goes and I actually don't know what he's going to do to Kamaru Usman. We'll get to that later. But mm-hmm. if, he, if, he, if he stays undefeated and rises the ranks of the middleweight division, because he sure as hell ain't making the, the welterweight division anymore, that I think he's, anyone like a Joe Pfeiffer is going to get passed up. And just like that, you could be still the same place you were, even though as in a Joe Pfeiffer situation, a rising guy, a guy who's not as well known, but a rising guy might not even be able to get a chance against Sean Strickland because some mm-hmm. of these guys are moving into the middleweight division. But, I mean, if any one of these guys gets a chance against uh, Sean Strickland, then I I feel like any of them have a, have a good chance. Okay. And then uh, jump into this last fight here, uh, Jacqueline Buckley taking the decision win over Alex Morano. I'll throw this one to Tyler. I mean, last week, all we did was talk about the spinning head kick that Buckley has. It's, like, heard around the world. Uh, didn't impress that much on a knockout, but wins by decision. What were your takeaways watching uh, this Buckley fight? I mean, Buckley's a guy who's always been a competitor. I mean, he, uh, like, every time he steps in the cage, you're expecting a battle. And that's kind of what we got. Um, he, he didn't quite look like the Buckley I was used to seeing though. Like, Mm -hmm. um, he was, I would say he's somewhere in between like an aggressor and a counter striker. And he, he kind of like took more of a, uh, I would say a defensive, uh, stance in this fight. Mm -hmm. Whereas I'm usually used to seeing him more like, you know, Kind of like a snake, you know, biting you if you get too close. But also, like you know, he's trying to, he's trying to push the pace a little bit. And uh, I was surprised to see uh, Murano actually, you know, was able to kind of like, you know, make this guy breathe pretty hard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he yeah. did. Uh, yeah. See, I mean, being like a slight favorite, would that? Do you think that would affect his performance? You know, you don't want to, you know loses the favorite necessarily does uh him being the favorite have anything to do with it or i i think the whole night there was maybe some some nerves with a a few fighters affecting the fights like the the bobby green one we just talked about like Mm -hmm. you know i think you know if we saw dawson bobby green too you know obviously not every fight's going to be a 30 second knockout but you know i think um given who's Dawson's fought already like you know Bobby Green was kind of like the next echelon of you know fighter for him on his way to the top Mm -hmm. and um Murano with Buckley you know kind of the same deal uh you know when you're when you're fighting a big name a name everybody knows yeah because of this you know spinning back kick for the the knockout that everybody knows Mm -hmm. um you know there's going to be some nerves heading into that so you know, you can't hold too much against him because he still put up a good fight. But uh, I think that, you know, a- anytime you step into the cage on a stage like that, you know, especially uh, against a vet, somebody who's used to that spotlight, it's going to be tough. Sure. 
I mean, Stephen, Kyle, do you, do you guys have anything else you want to add on the, on the Buckley or anything from this uh, past fight card that we haven't talked about? Or do you want to jump into some news and notes? Yeah, I mean, no, absolutely. I mean, I, I, uh, I, mean, I, I, I did take Buckley to win this fight, but, I mean, uh, Alex Morano is no slouch either. And, I mean, I think <clears throat> we all kind of talked about how Joaquin Butley, Buckley excuse me, had, uh, had kind of a rough go after that, that world-altering you know, kick. And I mean, for a while I was thinking it was almost like the wide receiver coach where it's like, you know, oh, I wish you wouldn't have caught that or like the basketball coach where it's like, I wish you wouldn't have made that shot. Cause you know, he's might be looking for that all the time now. And mm-hmm. that's not going to happen all the time. That kind of is what I felt uh, after Buckley or after that kick, the next mm-hmm. couple of fights he fought. So to me, I was actually pretty happy to see him get back to, and I mean, especially uh, Alex Morano's no slouch. And this guy at one point, I believe last year had fought, um, three I think different or I think like it was like three times in three months it was ridiculous I mean this, yeah. the guy's the real deal so and I mean he's going in there with UFC fighters who are seasoned and all that so um I, I think that it was it was actually really nice and refreshing to see Joaquin Buckley, Buckley kind of get back to okay like I'll I'll stand and trade with you the entire fight I'll kind of I'll brawl with you I'll rumble I'll bumble I'll shake it down with you you know but uh not necessarily trying to put it all in one punch yeah, for sure. Kyle, do you have anything you want to throw in last words before we get some news and notes? I would absolutely not want to do that, now. Absolutely not. All right, well, this is uh, uh, the section then where we'll talk any news notes from the week um, before we jump into this new fight card that we have coming up. So the two things I think are obviously the biggest news that's happened in the last couple of days affecting this UFC 294 card. The first one, Paula Costa. Um, having surgery on his elbow, so he won't be able to compete. And replacing him is going to be Kamaru Usman. I know this is a very, this is a fight that a lot of fight fans have been wanting to see. This Kamaru Usman and um, uh, that uh, uh, fight. Uh, I'll call this one to Steven. I, how do you feel about this? Do you, do you think this is a better fight you know, for the card, or would you have prefer to see Costa and and Chimfiga? I think I think it's a very different styled fight now and and I mean maybe not a lot of people would think that off the rip um but Paulo Costa is is a guy who can stand there he can go blow for blow he can counter strike with you he can strike with you Brazilian guy you know obviously those Brazilian guys love their BJJ Brazilian jiu-jitsu so I mean um it'd be interesting I thought to see okay Hamzat is going to wrestle and he's going to take him to the ground how does that Brazilian jiu-jitsu translate in that fight then Mm-hmm. Um, which with Usman, you don't really necessarily have that Brazilian jiu-jitsu. But I think I would have loved to see this fight more so a year ago, and I'm scared for my guy, Kamara Usman. I love him. I mean, that guy's Superman. But, uh, but I mean, it just when, – when I hear that he's walking down the stairs backwards and walking on grass, not concrete, because it's easier on his knees, and this, is, this has been what people have been saying for over a year now, it's like mm-hmm. that guy's knees are shot. That knee replacement surgery didn't go according to plan. So, I mean, um, it makes me nervous because, you know, I think – I thought Gilbert Burns beat Hamza Shemaev in that fight. I mm-hmm. thought – and then just you kind of doing two and two in my mind, uh, Usman beat Gilbert Burns, but also is that the same Kamara Usman who beat Gilbert Burns that we have today? I don't know about that with the knees. So, I think it's a definitely going to be a really different dynamic to the fight. Still worth watching 100%. I, mm-hmm. think, uh, I think this fight was kind of destiny to happen. Um, and, I mean, I'm excited to see where this goes, and I'm excited to see if Usman wins what this does, because I think if Hamzat wins this fight, 
I think he gets a title shot. I mean, you're talking about Kamara Usman, the guy who's held down the welterweight division for years. Um, granted, lost the belt, head kick, and then lost in the rematch, but he's still one of the best fighters on the roster. He's still ranked currently in the in the top of the uh, top of the list of uh, uh, what is it fighters? The, the, the pound for pound rating. Um, thank you. Yep, pound yeah. for pound. He's still in that list. So I mean, if if uh, Usman wins, it'll be interesting to see where he's seated in the middleweight division. Because mm-hmm. I know that he would never go up there while Adesanya is up there. He likes having the African champs uh, in the UFC. But with Adesanya gone now, it'd be interesting to see him win and see where he goes. But I think if I think the difference is if Hamzat wins, he's going to get the next title shot. I think mm-hmm. uh, over a lot of top tier talent in that division. Yeah. So I mean, just looking at the line right now, I mean, uh, Kamza is a minus two ninety favorite. Kamaru Usman's a plus two thirty underdog. Tyler, I mean. Looking at those odds, do you think that's a fair odd to put at? Would you put it farther away? Do you think it's a lot closer than what Vegas thinks? What are your thoughts on that? I think Vegas has it about right, if anything. I think it should be a little closer. Um, Now, the one thing that has me concerned about Usman is his last fight against Leon. He just did not look like the Usman that we were used to seeing. Whereas in the first fight, you know, he dominated the whole fight against Edwards until, you know, that fifth round knockout with the leg kick mm-hmm. or with the uh, head kick, excuse me. But, uh, you know, the last time they faced off, he was more so like on his heels the whole time, looking like he was afraid to get caught again. You know, every fighter has that chance of just getting clipped and, you know, lights out. And, uh, as, as long as he's able to get over that, I think Usman can hold his own against anybody. However, I definitely think he had a better shot against Acosta. I think that Usman's endurance and cardio gave him a huge advantage over Acosta. Um, but uh, I think really with Hamza and Usman, th- th- this could go either way. Mm-hmm. Um you know, obviously the momentum is a little bit in Hamzat's favor. He's been extremely dominant in his last few fights. And, you know, Usman's coming off, you know, a, a two-fight loss streak. And um, it, as long as Usman can get his head right, I think he can go toe-to-toe with Hamzat on the ground. You know, that was his main strength before, you know, he developed more as a striker. And, uh, you know, obviously both of them have knockout power. So it's really going to come down to, you know, who who's coming to fight, you know, when they face off. I think that's really what's going to be the decider. But I think with the way the momentum looks right now, uh, you know, I would say Hamzat should be the favorite, but not by much. I think it should be closer to, uh, you know, minus 200 instead of minus 295. But that's mm-hmm. just- Kyle, I mean, yeah, I just throw it to your thoughts here. I mean, Usman, 10 days out, have a replacement. I mean, what are your thoughts going in? I mean, when I look at this fight, it's hard because I like the matchup with Hamza and Paulo Costa, but I also really like the matchup between Kamaru Usman and Jemayev. And what's hard about it is because there's a lot of unknowns. Both of these guys are moving up in weight class. How, how does that affect both fighters? How does that affect their stamina or their power? We obviously know after um, Hamzat missed weight by like eight pounds, he probably shouldn't be fighting at Walter weight. So I'm pretty confident that he'll feel a lot more natural in middleweight. Will that be for the same for Kamaru Usman? I don't know. 
I have no idea. He always looked, he always looked good at the weight he was at. And then at the same time, when basically up until this last fight with um, Leon Edwards, Kamaru Usman always looked like he could handle pressure awesome. He was always really good, and he was always able to deliver that pressure so he wouldn't ever have to deal with that being on his back foot. But the, but after the first fight, when he got knocked out and going into that second fight, that, that pressure that we've seen from him basically his whole title run, you didn't see much of it. When he went for those takedowns, it was basically they were basically all denied by Leon Edwards, and that's credit to Leon Edwards for being able to stop all those takedowns. But I just don't know with Kamaro, with where he's at, with his knees, like Stephen said, will he be able to handle that kind of pressure that Chemaev is going to put on him because it's going to be often, it's going to be early, and unless Chemaev is just unable to handle being at middleweight, which I don't think so, I don't know how Kamaru Usman is going to handle that kind of pressure. And unless he has now has reinvented himself somehow from the last fight, being able to get over that hump of hopefully I don't get knocked out because I'm I'm just fighting basically a wrestler now. I mean, Chemayev, he we see we saw in this fight with Gilbert Burns that he has the ability to crack someone, but he's we, I don't think we could really call him a striker. I don't think anyone calls him a striker or that he's really proficient in it. So I just have a lot of questions of how, especially 11 days notice, how is Kamar Usman going to be able to handle all this this pressure, this changes, what's going to happen? It's, there's still a lot to think about. Sure, yeah, and I, you know, I'm a very big sell the pay per view kind of guy. These these press conferences are going to be off the charts because these guys hate each other. So I'm going to be all in on those you know Wednesday press conferences before when they're just talking shit. Oh, it's going to be lovely. But speaking to uh, same card, um, we had another unfortunate uh, dissolve of of a fight, but maybe gotten a better one. We'll see. So uh, like Kyle said earlier, uh, you know sparring with Charles Oliveira, you know he's going to get knocked out of this fight and replaced with the featherweight champion, Alexander Volkanovsky. So I'm going to throw this one to Tyler here. I mean, getting this Islam-Alexander uh, rematch here, uh, Islam obviously took the first one. Do you see anything different? Right now the line sits at uh, Islam at minus 230, Alexander Volk at plus 190. Were you, I mean, early th- obviously we're not making predictions here. That's next week's show. But right. what, 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 are your, what are your early thoughts seeing the news? So my early thoughts seeing the news, I mean, I'm excited. I, I feel like after the last fight, this seems like, you know, in, in my opinion, you know, the decider of, like, the true lightweight champion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as much as I think, you know, anyone in the top five in that division can pretty much, you know, go toe-to-toe with the champ on any given day, um, I'm especially excited for this one because – Volk has shown that even after coming at uh, coming off a big loss, um, you know, for the title and all that, which it, you can make an argument for either fighter, I think, um, for that first match with them too. Mm-hmm. Um, he's shown that that pressure hasn't really got to him the same way it got to Usman, like we just talked about. Um, he still fights the same way. He hasn't gotten in his own head. He's uh, he he's just a killer. That's just who he is, and I think he's going to be coming into this fight much hungrier. Um, you know, however, Makachev. You know, he's a beast on the ground. He's strong. All those Dagestani guys are just strong. Mm-hmm. Um, 
so it, it'll be really interesting to see how it shakes out. Yeah, Stephen, I'll, I'll throw the next one to you. I mean, Islam training with Khabib, um, officially in his camp again. Uh, you know, Volkanovski getting in here 11 days notice. I mean, it, it, are you more excited for this fight than the Charles fight? And what are your what are your kind of thoughts going in? Ladies and gentlemen, I said it last week. And to hell with it, baby. I'm saying it again this week. Islam lost the fight to Volkanovski, baby. Volk should be your lightweight champion. And ladies and gentlemen, surprise, surprise, next week we got a new champion in the lightweight division, baby. I'm pointing out a key thing here that a lot of people are forgetting about, I'm sure. Uh, Islam. Got pointed out by Dan Hooker and a couple other fighters on Twitter for having, I don't know, maybe a little needle mark on his arm right there from an IV drip in the last fight, which is banned and illegal uh, mm -hmm. to use that to rehydrate your body. And I think this time you have everybody watching out for um, those those little things that those Dagestanis, you know, sometimes find a way to get, get off on. You know, they're vitamins. They're vitamins. Uh -huh. That's what they call them. Mm -hmm. uh, so, you know, I mean, I think that that's going to play a huge role this time in, in that. I think Volk is a beast. That guy is never not in shape. That guy is never not training. If you think that Volk's going to come in here out of shape, out of mind, I got news, baby. He is coming in here like an animal. He feels like he got robbed. They started talking on Twitter after. Islam said he for sure won the fight. Volk said just watched it back, and uh, I for sure won. Judges totally got that wrong. Uh, so, I mean, I'm excited, baby. No more talking. Let's roll, mm -hmm. out, uh, roll out the octagon and let's get at it, baby. I think uh, I think the last final thing on this, too, is um, when you look at this fight coming up here, uh, I think all in all, Dana White probably felt like he had to he had to do another divisional matchup for a championship. But I think this is the fight that everybody wanted to see back. This is one of the best fights of the year. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I mean, we're, we're all lucky that we get to watch it happen again. Anytime Alexander Volkanovsky walks into the octagon, it is magic. It is must-see TV. And, baby, I'm excited. Woo! Yeah, I mean, yeah, Kyle, I mean, any, any last thoughts? I know Tyler and Steve pretty much hit most of the, most of the aces there, but you got to go. Steven, you know they, they tried to get Justin Gaethje to fight, right? You do know that. I would, I would assume you want your guy to be fighting for a title. But, <laughs> you know, but, Justin Gaethje did say – he told Trevor Whitman he is never taking a fight on short notice again after the Tony Ferguson fight. Um, I, I believe it was after the Tony Ferguson fight. He's like, man, he's like, dude, I just, he's like the stress that that put on me. He's like, bro, it's not worth it. He's like, I did well in the fight, but he's like, but, um, but he's like, dude, they just, he's like taking a fight short notice. Or you know what? I think it might've been the Dustin fight the first time he took that short notice, I think. And, uh, and ended mm -hmm. up losing that fight the first yeah. time. The second time, baby, don't talk to me. That is the most electric fighter on the UFC roster. I'm sticking with my guns on that one. And uh, I, I, you know what, man? I think Justin Gaethje's the real deal, man. I think if he takes that fight full camp, uh, mm -hmm. ooh, man, you might see uh, you might see Bruce Buffer saying some and the new words coming up. So, I mean, you know what the other thing I have is like um, Volkanovski got surgery and he wasn't even supposed to be ready for, he wasn't even supposed to be ready for this fight like that was the reason it was Charles not him was because he had surgery he wasn't going to be available he was supposed to he was I, I, I don't know if it's still going to happen but he's supposed to fight Ilya Teporia in like January um, but that would be my only concern is how how well does he perform I'm, I mean I know that he's going to obviously be in shape he always trains on 11 days notice but will that surgery affect him in any way and 
in the in this in the case that he does lose and he does, it's not like a disputed oh he won no he won type thing does that ne- does that negate Islam's win mm-hmm. like Islam said hey yo you you can't no excuses if you lose right but I think if all things were even I think Vol should be favored obviously you know things are different so Islam is favored and I think rightly so but I don't know if 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 Volk is able to be 100 percent and he's you know good shape. I think I would probably you know I think he has a very good chance at winning. Yeah, Kyle, like you said, I mean, um, Volk is yeah. Even with the surgery though, I think um, with all that going on, I think we kind of like we talked about last week. We learned when we watched him face Brian Ortega in those two guillotine chokes, which is Brian or you know Brian Ortega's bread and butter, T City. He drops those on daily basis, and uh, I think any other fighter on the UFC roster. Maybe other than Justin Gaethje. All right, don't sue me. Uh, but uh, <laughs> but uh, but I think any other fighter. I don't know if I can have confidence walking in on 11 days' notice after a surgery. But just seeing Volkanovski in that situation with the guillotine, seeing Volkanovski in situations with even the Korean Zombie, who I mean, out of his prime, but Max Holloway. You know, the, the examples keep coming where it's like this guy is one of the most mentally fortitude people you'll ever see in your life or mentally fortified person you'll ever see just his mindset is like David Goggins out there you just you just don't know what you're gonna get and then you see it happen and you're like this guy's insane this guy what this guy isn't human this guy like he is the great Alexander the great Volkanovsky so uh, (laughs) I I gotta say I always have confidence with this guy going in there he'll just he's he's the real deal man I I agree Volk is definitely the one who carries the boats for sure yeah (laughs) Hundred um, percent. Him, son. They do not know him, son. <laughs> uh, Kyle, I know you had a couple other news and notes we want to get to before this uh, upcoming fight card we're going to predict. So I'll let you take the floor on these ones. Yeah, we just got a few uh, topics that we can go over or not if we don't think it's worth. But um, the first one, this is basically only for Steven. I don't think anyone on earth cares. Uh, so topic number one, Derek Lewis to replace Curtis Blades against GLC. So excited. <laughs> Fight Night Sao Paulo, Brazil, November 4th. Any thoughts? Ladies and gentlemen, my balls are hot. My balls is hot. <laughs> my balls is straight hot for Derek Lewis. Anytime that guy walks in. Dude, Derek Lewis looks like he has bricks attached to the end of his fists when he punches. Derek Lewis, that guy can wallop. I mean, granted, I uh, – is the fight in Houston? No, it's in South. And I got faith in Derek Lewis, baby, because anywhere outside of Houston, Derek Lewis brawls, man. Um, I, I love. I mean, my favorite, I think, version of Derek Lewis is when he plays possum, when he acts hurt, when guys start coming in trying to land shots, thinking that they got him hurt, and when he just pulls out a massive right hand and just absolutely stuns him, folds him up like a lawn chair, and puts him in the garage. You know, so um, I'm excited to see. Damn, I love those post, uh, post-fight interviews, those post-fight, you know. Mm-hmm. I love the motion that he does. Slit the throat, baby, you know. Ju- you know, throw his junk in the air a couple times. And, and uh, dude, I'm just – I'm always excited for the Black Beast to fight. I got that one circled. So, money on Derek Lewis every time he fights, baby. Does it concern you that Jailton Alameda has 12 wins by submission? I think, um, I think if you're going to shoot on Derek Lewis – He's just going to, like he did with Curtis Blades. Blindy. I mean, Curtis Blades, same kind of thing where Uppercut. Curtis is a wrestler, you know? Mm-hmm. Derek Lewis, I promise you, is not sparring in this camp. He is not training anything but knees and uppercuts. Go ahead. Go ahead. Shoot on him. 
make his day. Mm-hmm. Second round knockout, baby. I'm calling that right now. I'm calling it now. I'll call it then, then later too. Derek Lewis gets it done in the second. Hey, Kyle, is that, is that a main event of a fight card, or is that just, like, on the fight yeah, card? Yeah, that is the main event of the fight night. So it's going to be a five-rounder, so we still go into two rounds, even though? Derek Lewis only needs two, baby. Oh, okay. Derek Lewis only needs two. Okay. Tyler, any thoughts on Derek Lewis November 4th? Uh, yeah, so what, I mean, you, you just got to love the guy. I mean, I don't know what I'm more excited for, the fight or the post-fight interview. Um, and also like I, I, I love how he's one of those guys and you don't see this in a lot of UFC fighters a lot of UFC fighters you know they have their bread and butter their strengths and weaknesses Derek Lewis I mean he's a guy who's just not afraid to shake up the game plan you know mm-hmm. we've seen him kind of you know on his back foot waiting for an opportunity you know we've seen him play possum like Steven said We've seen him be a little bit more aggressive. And, like, the last fight, you know, just coming right out with a flying knee. Like, you know, who would have expected that? Like, damn! He, he's an exciting fighter to watch. And, you know, every time he steps into the cage, there's always a possibility, you know, that somebody's getting knocked out. Mm-hmm. That, that's about how every Derek Lewis fight ends. So, um, I'm excited for it. I got to say, I'm also leaning toward d um, he he just he looked like a completely brand new fighter the last mm-hmm. time we saw him. I mean, granted the fight wasn't very long, but when have we seen a Derek Lewis with abs at the weigh-in? I think if he comes in in similar shape, you know, like it, it'll be uh, another victory for D. Lou. Yeah, so just some, um, I'll give you guys some of these betting numbers here. So you guys, if you really are on the Derek Lewis train like uh, Steven and uh, Tyler are here, Derek Lewis plus 360 on that November 4th fight um, because Almiata, uh, he's uh, 7-0 in the UFC and 19-2 overall. So he's, he's got a good matchup here against a really top quality uh, heavyweight here. So it's a plus 360 on Derek Lewis, a minus 480 on uh, Almiata. So could be winning some money if you bet Derek Lewis he wins. All right, uh, Kyle, uh, next point here. Topic number two for our notes, we have that the UFC is scheduled to hold a fight night in Saudi Arabia for the first time ever, March 2nd, yeah, March 2nd, 2024. And my question for the crowd is, are we saying, you know, with the, we, have, we know that Saudi Arabia likes to spend a lot of money for sports. You know, we see a lot of big, mo- big boxing matches, like our, I think Francis Gano and uh, Tyson Fury fighting in Saudi Arabia. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. We, they're spending a lot of money. They're trying to get a lot of a lot of eyes in Saudi Arabia, you know. And it's up to us to question, you know, the ethics of that. But beside the point, are are we disappointed that that there is not going to be a pay per view like kind of how they do in Abu Dhabi, where there's always like a huge pay per view of when they go there every year? Are we disappointed that it's only a fight night, mm-hmm. given how much they're spending? My my. Uh, my... I think that they're going to do a fight night, but it's going to be like the Shevchenko-Grasso fight night where it feels like a UFC-numbered pay-per-view, but it's just going to be like positioned as a fight night. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if you get one of the bigger champions, maybe even like a Sean O'Malley or something fighting on that card just to get the intrigue up a little bit. Um, I think I think it's – I don't really mind that it's a fight night, uh, I think it would be awesome as a pay-per-view because they'd spend so much money to get the top guys over there and probably be a big card. But uh, 
that's like right before UFC 300. So I think they're going to put on a really good show for a fight night. Um, but it doesn't really bother me too much. I don't know if Steven and Tyler, you guys got thoughts on that, but um, yeah, I mean, I am not upset with it being just a fight night instead of a numbered card. Um, I would say the last like year, year and a half or so, we've had a lot of really good fight nights. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think you know them calling it a fight night is enough for me to just like you know tune out. Um, we've had some pretty big names on the fight nights in uh, recent months, so I think if they're going to call it a fight night um, for the first time over there, I think they'll try to to throw some some good fights in there. I'm not concerned about it. Yeah, I mean, like, just this year, I mean, you've had Cyril gone, like I said, uh, Shevchenko Grasso, uh, upcoming the Derek Green fight. Like, you, we've had some at least bigger-time names main eventing. Some, Max Holloway was on one of them. Yeah. Uh, you get some of these big names on Fight Night, so I'm not really concerned, especially if they're going to pay a lot of money to get UFC to go over there. I think they'll put on something big. It might not be McGregor, Chandler big or something, but they'll put on something that I think will impress the crowd. It's, it's got all the makings of uh, UFC when they do their one event every year on ABC. Because, you know, Dana White just loved the boxing, ABC, Worldwide Sports back in the day. So every year, you know, they put together that ABC card where they just, they, you know, it's, it's, it's not quite a numbered event with the depth of the card. But, but those top three fights will be names that everybody knows. It'll be, you know, um, pretty, pretty traditional fans will understand like, oh, this guy, I've heard of him before. I think I've seen him before. And, and the diehard fans will be like, no way, you got got these three guys and it's a, you know, fight night. It's, it's kind of what they did with the ABC events. It's similar where, you know, I think mm-hmm. two years ago they had Max Holloway and Calvin Cater. And I mean, that provided to me one of my favorite moments of Max Holloway's career where this guy is not even looking, talking to the sideline, dodging punches and cracking him back, not looking at Calvin Cater. I mean, that was one of the most disgusting mm-hmm. boxing performances I think in the UFC ever. And I mean, while he's yelling, I'm the best boxer in the UFC, baby. So, you know, like, I think Dana White's really good about putting together those stylistically good matchups where, you know, you're going to have a really enjoyable event uh, fight-wise, even if, you know, you're like, oh, okay, I only recognize these names or I only recognize those names. And it's like, who are these guys? And then you're like, you watch him fight, you're like, oh, I'm going to know who this guy is next time I watch him, baby. This guy, you know, this guy, hell yeah, this guy rocks. So mm-hmm. uh, it, Dana White's got a proclivity for finding good, good fights like that and putting them on these kind of cards. This is true, especially lately. It feels like we've been kind of spoiled, even on our numbered pay-per-view cards. Like, it just feels like more and more often we're getting, like, two or three title fights on every single one. Mm-hmm. You know, it. Who, whoever's, you know, making these schedules over there is doing their jobs. <laughs> yeah. No, and, and that's the crazy part is me and Kyle always talk about it where, like, you'll have, like, four banger cards in a row. Then you have that one card that you're like, yeah, that has, like, that one fight on it, but then the rest are kind of okay. And then they have, yeah. like... But, like, the rest of this year are just... Every single pay-per-view fight is just, like, must-see TV, I feel like. Even, yeah. like, the third, fourth, fifth fights on some of these pay-per-views, you're like, that could, like, main a fight a fight night or be, like, a co-main on a main show, and it's the fifth fight on this card. Like, yeah. some of these yeah. shows have been crazy. So, um, yeah, I totally get that sentiment. Yeah, this year we still have Makachev, Volkanovski, October 21st. We have John Jones versus Stipe Miocic. The GOAT, the GOAT, John Jones versus the heavyweight division GOAT, Stipe mm-hmm. Miocic, baby. You cannot miss on that card. With also Alex Vajeda fighting, you know, Pultons, Stonehands, fucking coolest nickname in the UFC. 
um, fighting Yuri Prohaska. You know, I mean, that card is, is must-see TV. You have um, also, on December 16th, Leon Edwards fighting Colby Covington, which is going to yeah. be a really interesting fight, too. And then, and then like, to, oh, sorry, I was just going to say, and to make my point, the fourth fight on that December 16th is Patty the Baddie versus Tony Ferguson. That's the that's the second fight on the pay-per-view card, and yeah. the, that fight you'd be like, oh, I, that, that could main event a show with how good those guys are. So, like, these fights are going to be crazy the rest of the year. It's going to be fun to be able to talk about them every week. Yeah, yeah. And before that fight, you have Vincente Luque versus Ian Gary. Ian Gary's Gary been that, you know, that next feeling – or he feels like that next big Irish He looks like the next up-and-coming guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean, and I I hate to make the McGregor comparison because realistically, they're totally different fighters. Just they're both from Ireland and they both got that accent. But I mean, that that Irish fan base, man, when they get a fighter who's good and who wins and who can talk their shit and then, you know, take it to the bank and cash it as well, they love those guys over there. So, I mean, they come out to support them. They get the, you know, chance going and, and it's just history, man, the rest of the night. So. Uh, I, I love I love even Ian Gary. I love Vincente Luque, a veteran, a legend in the game. Patty the Batty, Tony Ferguson, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, Shakov Manoranov. I can never say that guy's name. Uh, <laughs> Pantoja fighting uh, Brandon Royette, Roy Val, and then Leon Edwards fighting Colby Covington. That card is, is yeah, a- that's a set. And, that's and that might be like the least look forward to card of the next three because all the big fights you have. So it's right. it's just crazy how deep these are. Uh, Kyle, I, I know you. Oh, sorry, Tyler. Jim, what were they? Uh, sorry, I just wanted to add something real quick for this weekend. I, you know, I heard um, Pereira, Pajera. I, these names kill me sometimes. Um, I heard his name mentioned, and you know, there's another guy uh, with that name, Michelle, who's supposed to fight this weekend, and I'm really bummed about that fight getting canceled because mm-hmm. I think that guy is super entertaining. You know that, like, Capoeira fighting style where he literally tries to, like, do backflips on people and fight like Spider-Man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. His his last two fights got canceled. I'm so bummed about it. The guy who does cartwheels to try and kick guys in the head? Yeah, we know who you're talking about, baby. (laughs) Yeah, the the guy who tries to fight like he's button mashing in Mortal Kombat? Yeah. (laughs) And there's also probably a reason with that fighting style why why he got injured before. But but still, electric fighter. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, uh, go ahead, yeah. yeah, Kyle, you got uh, a couple more here? Um, I got one more. Okay. Um, man, these past few days have been crazy for UFC news. But um, starting beginning January 1st, 2024, USADA will no longer be involved with the UFC. USADA said in their statement that, quote, the relationship between itself and the UFC had become untenable given comments made by UFC leaders and others questioning USADA's principled stance that Conor McGregor would not be allowed to fight without being in the test pool for at least six months. My question is, did the UFC just drop USADA because they said that Conor McGregor can't fight for six months because he just started in the USADA pool? Did they just cancel them because they're like, no, we're going to actually do, we're going to follow our rules, and they're like, no, you're done. Mike, what's your take on this? Yeah, so I actually, you know what's funny about that is I kind of, if, if we're into conspiracy theories, I would 100% agree on it. I just saw a, 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 a stat today that four of the five biggest pay-per-view buys of all time have all been McGregor fights. I think it was both uh, Poirier's, obviously the Khabib one, and uh, the second Nate Diaz fight are the four highest grossing uh, pay-per-view buys of all time for UFC. And so I think when you get him and a guy like Michael Chandler, 
planning to fight sometime March, April. That's kind of what they, I think they want to do it around UFC 300 time or on UFC 300 um, because it's coming in what March or April or whatever. I think they're like, all right, we can't have him sit for six months and do it at UFC 303. We got to get him for 300. I, if you're into conspiracy theories, I think there, there's a case for this one. I, I think it's really interesting because obviously McGregor has been, you know, the UFC's cash cow for years. Like he's just that name that everybody knows. Like you were saying, like people pay to watch him. And I think it's interesting that they, UFC really held their ground on that because when you look at that fight between him and Chandler, to me, it almost seems like whoever loses is going to kind of fall off for a while. Mm-hmm. Like, um, McGregor, you know, he's on a bit of a losing streak right now. People have kind of, you know, slowed down talking about him. People still know Chandler's name, you know, but the reason people are talking about both these guys right now is because I feel like they're big names and they're fighting each other. So I think Dana knows, like, you know, he's – going to use McGregor in some way to kind of prop up whichever way this fight turns out. It's either going to be, oh, man, McGregor beat Chandler. He's back. He's, he's going to try to use that to draw more fans. Or it's going to be like, oh, man, you know, Chandler beat the great Conor McGregor, blah, you know. Yeah. But. McGregor feels like he's at that point where everyone makes a big deal when he loses, even though, like you said, he's lost, like, four of his last five, and the only win is against Donald Cerrone, and they beat in, like, 30 seconds. Yeah, Um, with a shoulder knockout. With, like, a weird (laughs) shoulder thing, like, like, I shrugged him to death. Yeah, it's crazy. So, like, to me, I kind of look at it, and I'm like, there's no bigger fight to make at UFC 300 than a McGregor name a guy, whether it be Chandler, Nate Diaz, whoever you want to throw in there, there's no bigger fight than that. And they want the biggest fight you can make for 300. And um, like I said, like, I, I think you laid out perfectly. If McGregor wins, it's like him and Islam. Oh my God, money fight. And then right. if Chandler wins, it's he just beat Conor McGregor, even though Conor McGregor's obviously falling off. It's he beat Conor McGregor. Is he going to be the goat? Like there, there's so many storylines to come out of it. I think it's, you have to make that fight happen at 300 if you can, and the the U.S. Uh, the, the Utah uh, would prevent that if you had to sit for six months. Yeah, well, I think a lot of times too we we forget, you know, it's uh, in the fight game especially we're we're show we're so just like short minded in like what's happening in the moment. Um, this isn't the first time you saw to step in the way of the UFC making some serious money. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, keep in mind that 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 Hamza Shemaev card got totally reshuffled to what it was from the Nate Diaz fight to then Kevin Holland because of USADA. Because mm-hmm. when Hamzat went to go cut those eight pounds the night before, which is what typically fighters at that weight class do, they cut roughly eight pounds the day before. Um, you know, they go sweat it all out. They go in the pool. They get the trash bags. They do, you know, all of that. I mean, USADA was the one who stepped in and said, hey, no, you know, you, you have to pee clear and you're not being clear, so you're done. You're, you're not making the weight. You're you mm-hmm. Uh, USADA also came in and uh, I believe it was at like, shoot, the day of the fight, I think at like 5 a.m. to Paulo Costa's hotel room, woke him up when he's trying to sleep the night before for a fight to drug test him. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I know that there was a huge issue and this is all recent events from this year. I mean, that was, that was when he fought um, his previous fight actually. 
Yeah. So I know he was he was very adamant to let everybody know at the presser that USADA is not his favorite, not exactly the words he used, but, you know, along those lines, um, a couple more F-bombs. But, I mean, so the UFC multiple times has had to bend over backwards, cancel potentially large grossing events from USADA. I think that the breakup at this point is mutual. Dana White said things about USADA now. He said that that will never happen again with Paulo Costa. It seemed to happen again immediately after, almost just despite him. Um, it just seems like they've kind of had this relationship now where it's like the UFC says something and then USADA retaliates and then mm-hmm. USADA says something UFC ta- retaliates. So it seems like it's at this point, just, it's a, it's a relationship where it's, it's unfixable and just, they're going to go their own separate ways. And, and honestly, I'm fine with it. I mean, you know, UFC fighters, man, Nick Diaz, let him, let him smoke. If he wants to smoke, man, that's how he gets in the headspace. Let him get there. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I just think that, I think that USADA, is a little old-fashioned, and I don't see anything wrong with maybe updating those uh, those standards a little bit, maybe updating some some of the ways that they go in and test people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I think it's a I think it's a good thing actually in the long run. And plus, I mean, who doesn't want to see this McGregor fight? I mean, I don't know if McGregor is you know if you're a diehard fan, I don't know if McGregor is necessarily the guy you want to watch in the main event. But I think any casual fan out there immediately knows the McGregor name and will, mm. will purchase a fight because of it. So Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's going to help gross. And I think this is kind of the fight for me because I am a big McGregor fan. And, you know, I, I would head over heels pay for any fight. He could be fighting, you know, numb nuts off the street. And I'd be like, all right, I'm in. Just to watch him knock him out or whatever. Um, for me, this is like the fight where I'm like, if he – either loses or just gets his ass kicked against Michael Chandler. I'm like, okay, he's not really that much of a draw to me anymore um, just because he's officially kind of fallen off the gates there. But, uh, man, UFC 300, McGregor Chandler, sounds good to me. Let's, let's make that happen because that sounds like a banger UFC 300 main event. Yeah. Um, all right, we got Tyler Vick. He's You're all set. Yeah, I'm good. Um, cool. Kyle, I don't know. I think I think you were good with all your news and notes for the week. Um, yeah, that's all I have. Awesome. So uh, then let's jump into the UFC fight night, Yusuf versus Barboza. Um, so we'll start here um, with match three. So the, the last three fights that you'll see on this card, um, Jonathan Martinez, the minus 130 favorite, will take on Adrian Yanez, the plus 110 underdog in the bandweight division. Steven, where are you looking? You're the 3-0 champ, so I'm going to start with you on this one. Um, you know, where are you looking? Um, you taking the underdog here, or do you like the favorite? I mean, this fight's really interesting stylistically to me. I mean, um, Martinez is a southpaw fighter, and Yanez is an orthodox fighter. Typically, orthodox fighters have a tough time fighting southpaw guys, so I think that's interesting. The height's pretty much the same, 5'8", 5'7", 135 pounds, 29 years old each. Reach is the same at 70 inches. Um, the only really huge difference between the two of them, I guess, is really just the southpaw and orthodox stance. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the stance is going to – I mean, I like Adrian Yanez, but I think the stance is really going to favor Jonathan Martinez. So give me Jonathan Martinez's fight. All right, taking the minus 130 favorites. Uh, Tyler, how, how do you feel going in this fight? Um, yeah, I agree. The, the southpaw guys typically – on average, I would say, have a bit of an advantage. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's just, it, it's a really hard thing to prepare for because not only do you have to prepare for, like, a stance that you're not used to seeing as often, but, you know, each fighter's different. 
you not only have to prepare for that southpaw, but like their style of fighting, it just makes it really hard. Mm -hmm. um, and you, uh, it was Martinez the southpaw. Yes. Uh, yep. Yeah. Martinez is southpaw. Yeah. So I, I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna have to go with the favorite as well. Okay. So uh, Tyler taking Martinez. Kyle, will you be the one taking the underdog? Or are you taking Martinez like uh, Steve and Tyler? Oh, man, you know I'm taking Adrian Yanez. You know I love me some Adrian Yanez. Everybody knows I love Adrian Yanez. He was undefeated in the UFC until he came up against the juggernaut Rob Font, and we all know he was going to lose to Rob Font. Rob Font's going to be a title challenger one day. He already is a challenger. He'll be a title winner one day. But I love me some Adrian Yanez. Like I said, undefeated in the UFC until that loss. He's going to bounce back big, knock Jonathan Martinez out. First round, 33 seconds in. All right. Ooh. Kyle with the big, big money winner there, uh, so, plus 110. Obviously, you get that first round knockout. That'll be a big one for sure. Uh, I'm going to take – I'm going to go with Steve and Tyler here. I'm going to take Martinez uh, as the minus 130 favorite. Um, like, like you guys said, Southpaw – and there's not really a lot to differentiate the two, so I think this goes to decision win with Martinez. I think he takes it all the way and, and, and gets a nice 29-28 win. Um, but heading over to the flyweights here, so we got uh, Jennifer Maya as the minus 155 favorite, taking on Vivian uh, Arujo, the plus 130 underdog in the flyweight division. Uh, Kyle, I'll start with you on this one. Where are you looking at with this one? Do you do you like Maya as the favorite, or are you looking at the underdog again on this one? You're on mute, by the way. I'm not be. You know, I just like eating food when I'm not talking, so, you know, sometimes I got to hey, myself. Gotta do what you got to do. Um, I was saying is I, I love me some Jennifer Maya. Everybody knows I love me some Jennifer Maya. Coming off a win March 10th. And that's what I'm taking. Nothing else needs to be said. All right. Steven, how are you feeling about this Maya uh, Arusha fight? Yeah, so, I mean, this one I was kind of torn on. Um, I mean, I'm not not crazy familiar with both women fighting in this one, so it'll be interesting to see. I mean, this one more so to me is kind of a pick em too, betting-wise. I mean, the only, the only thing that really is standing out to me, um, looking at the statistics between the two of them, and, you know, not to go super analytics on everything tonight, but... Um, is the fact that uh, the reach difference is four inches of reach difference, but for um, for oh boy, her last name is for, for, for Vivian. Vivian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I think that's kind of the only difference I'm really seeing here. I'm gonna take Vivian on this one, and uh, yeah, let's hope, let's pray. Women on a prayer, baby. Take take that one plus uh, one thirty underdog there for Steven. Tyler, uh, do you have any any thoughts who you think's gonna win, Maya or Vivian here? Um. Like Stephen was saying, I think it's going to be close. Um, I am going to lead slightly towards the favorite, um, just because it doesn't appear to me that um, Vivian is using her reach very well to her advantage. Like she had it against uh, Rebus in the last fight. Mm -hmm. And um, for whatever reason, Amanda Rebus was able to just, like, close that gap uh, later in the fight. And I don't doubt that Jennifer Maya can do that in this fight. But uh, I think both fighters are talented. It could go either way. You know, especially in a lighter division like flyweight. Mm -hmm. So 
So you're, so you're taking Maya in this one? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take Maya as well. I think, like you said, I think even though she has that, uh, you know, four-inch disadvantage on the reach, um, I think she'll be able to get in, and, and uh, I think she actually is going to finish her. I'll, I'll give it second-round uh, knockout finish, but uh, I think uh, as a favorite, I think she'll take this one. And then moving on into our main event here uh, in the featherweight division, we got uh, Yusuf as the minus 165 favorite, taking on Edson Barboza, the plus 140 underdog, throwing this one to Tyler first. Uh, main event fight here, five rounds. Uh, where do you see this fight going, Tyler? Um, it, it, it's hard for me to say. Now, th- this is a fight where I think um, – if Yusuf is going to win, he's going to have to be the aggressor in this fight. Barboza is the, the veteran. He's got that experience where, like, he it, – it's kind of a strange thing to see in this weight class, but he kind of picks guys apart a little bit and uh, goes in for the killer. At least that's how it's gone in his last couple of fights. Um But as long as, you know, Yusuf can stay on offense, I think he's going to win. Mm-hmm. Um I think if I had to pick one guy, I'm going to lean Yusuf. It just seems like the way that the UFC likes to do these things is, you know, when you have uh, a guy that everybody loves, a vet like Barboza, you know, um, the up-and-coming guys kind of get their first crack at, you know, the top ten with one of those guys that everybody's familiar with. so I think I think this is kind of that fight for Yusuf, and I don't think there's any real reason why he can't beat Barbosa mm-hmm. unless he's just making mistakes. Yeah, uh, Stephen, would you do you agree with that? Do you think uh, Yusuf takes this here, or do you think Barbosa's experience will help him uh, get over the edge? So I mean, last week I took the experienced older fighter, mm-hmm. and uh, this week, you know, as as Kyle would say, I'm my mama. Everyone knows I love Sadiq Yusuf. Everyone knows my sister, my brother, my aunts, my uncles, my cousins. My unborn daughter, my girlfriend's not pregnant either, but, you know, <laughs> hey, <laughs> you know, I mean, no, Sadiq Yusuf, uh, striker, up-and-comer, I think that this week is going to favor him. Granted, uh, Barbosa did have that really big knockout against Billy, uh, Billy Q, so, mm-hmm. I mean, and that, you know, that, he looked really good, um, but I think Yusuf here, the youth, and, um, I mean, the record, he's, he's had two losses in his career, so... Yeah. Uh, I think that's going to play a big role into it. And I think, uh, man, those young guys hit hard and they hit fast. So we'll see. Uh, we'll see. But Edson Barbosa, legend, love him. Wouldn't be sad at all if he won uh, the guy. The guy's first ballot UFC Hall of Fame. So. Mm-hmm. And then Kyle, I mean, you're you're going to be the last one here. I mean, what are your thoughts? Would the age, you know, for Barbosa affect him, or are you taking uh, taking the young guy here? You know, it's actually kind of hilarious that we're in the same spot that we were last week when I told everyone that this was the up-and-comer against the the veteran, you know, mm-hmm. the up-and-comer. He's, last week he was undefeated. This week, what did, I forgot what he would uh, use. He got two, one loss in the UFC, and, it was, and, we, and I was talking about how it was kind of that situation where the UFC is trying to push one guy to maybe – beat the, the, the old veteran and kind of make a bigger name himself using that, that veteran's name to kind of step over him in that way. And what's hilarious is that I think it's going to be the exact same this time. Edson Barboza is a legend, but he's other than that, other than that, um, that when he had against Bill Hugh, um, he's, been, he's been on a losing skid. He's been 
you'll have a, a, a good amount of losses and then maybe win in between. And like we've already said, Yusuf, he's that up-and-comer. He only has one loss, six wins in the UFC. I'm loving me some some Yusuf by, by I'm, you know, I got to get creative sometimes. Um, okay. I think it's going to be a, a arm bar submission. Has he ever um, anyone? Let me hold on. Let me see. I don't think he's on. One, I don't, I, one submission? Yes. Yusuf is a, is a striker. Barbosa yeah, submission yeah. striker. So. Yeah, he's definitely more. He definitely knocks people out way more often, but okay. still going with it. Arm bar Kyle, Kyle going with arm bar submission. All right. We got, we got Kyle with the prediction. Who, knows who, 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 all know, who knows you love Yusuf? What people know you love Yusuf? I, I, God, I mean, I'm telling the world right now, so I basically everyone, you know, I, how many how many like listeners we got here? All thirteen. Yeah. They'll they'll know now. My mom. I'm, I'm, I'm calling Does her. Does right your now. unborn daughter know? <laughs> I'll tell her when she's born. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got you. Yeah. And then yeah, I'll take Yusuf too. I think that's a clean sweep. I mean, I said it last week how I thought you know the young guy going against the old guy like Tyler said usually. Um, these usually just fights are given to him, and then it didn't work out last week. I think it works out this week. I think I think it's gonna be a clean sweep. All four of us big Yusuf here, and uh, it'll be a fun show. Um, but uh, yeah, that's all we had for you guys this week. Um, join us next week when we're gonna be talking breaking down UFC 294, uh, Islam Makachev, and now Alexander Volkanovsky. Uh, that that's gonna be a can't miss episode when we break that uh, down. Uh, but uh, thanks for Stephen for joining. Thanks for Tyler's first appearance. You guys will be hearing them a lot more over the next couple months on this. And then for the Whaleman Budsnowski, I am the Merck Zone Mike Merkel, and we will see you guys as always next time. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the I'm Always Right podcast featuring the exclusive UFC Knockout Hour editions, baby. Rock it, roll it, and I will see you next week. Ah.